It's time for overtime. Stop what you're doing and listen. In the world of sports, it's all about the playmakers in today's headlines. From locals to the pros. With interviews from local standouts and sports all-stars across the country that will have you talking. Steps back three. Yes, sir. Get a shot up. This is for the win. Hear from coaches to players, sports analysts, and broadcasters who are a part of the action every day. Overtime, now with Burt Ramin on ESPN 102.3 AM 1000 KSOO, Sioux Falls Sports Leader. Welcome into a wild and wonderful Wednesday of Overtime. The South Dakota State women take home the Summit League title, the franchise tag for Lamar Jackson and a few other NFL stars. And a cross-country courtship for the New York Jets and quarterback Aaron Rodgers. Those are your headlines today as we crank it up and get ready to roll on the Wednesday edition of Overtime. You can always chime in via the phone, 605-362-3776, or online. Give me a follow on Twitter, at Burt ESPN, or us as a station, at ESPN Sioux Falls. And also shoot me an email, Burt at ESPN. SiouxFalls.com. We have a jam-packed edition to the show again today. We'll get you some sound from the post-game press conference after the Jackrabbit women took home the Summit League title, punched their ticket to the NCAA tournament, and a lot of great audio from Coach Johnston and a few players as well to share with you on the show. Arif Hassan of Pro Football Network will join us around 11.30 today, and then to round out our number one, We will talk Big Ten, ACC, and Big 12 tournament, and as those are already underway for the ACC, that game uh, already on ESPN. And hour number two, we'll hit you with the headlines, identity crisis for your chance to win a gift card to the original Pancake House in Sioux Falls. And we'll round out the show with two fantastic interviews, a couple guests, and uh, really great uh, uh, people to have on the show. Mike Wall, former NFL offensive lineman, former Green Bay Packer, And the host of the On My Block podcast will join us to talk about the Packers, talk about Aaron Rodgers, and talk about what it could be uh, if Aaron Rodgers is to leave town. Maybe a little bit of a difficult transition in leaving Green Bay versus uh, playing in New York City or elsewhere next season. Darren Wolfson of KSTP and the Twin Cities will join us to round out the show today. We'll talk Vikings and T-Wolves as Timberwolves fell last night to the 76ers. That's where we begin our NBA scorecard. That final in Minneapolis, 117-94. to Minnesota had a couple wins uh, coming into that in the end of the uh, California road trip, and they ultimately fall last night, 117-94, to 34-33, the overall record for the Timberwolves as they sit in the seven spot in the West. Milwaukee got a shorthanded victory on the road in Orlando last night behind 24 points from Chris Middleton, 134 to 123. Golden State falls at Oklahoma City, 137-128. Dallas wins at home over Utah, 121-16. And the Lakers continue to find ways to win. They win last night at home to Memphis without John Morant, of course, 112-103 to as the Lakers look to continue their surge. Tonight in the NBA, Blazers at Celtics at 6.30. Cavs visit the Heat also at 6.30. The Nuggets are home to the Bulls at 8.00. And the Thunder visit the Suns also at 8 o'clock. In the NHL last night, Calgary got a win in St. Paul over the Wild 1-0. That came via shootout. Florida defeats visiting Vegas 2-1. Carolina goes on the road and wins in Montreal via shootout 4-3. Toronto wins in New Jersey 4-3. Phoenix wins at home over St. Louis 6-2. 
And the Colorado Avalanche get back on the right track with a 6 to nothing shutout victory at home in Denver over San Jose. Tonight in the National Hockey League, Blackhawks and Red Wing, couple of original franchises doing battle, 6.30 on TNT. The Wilder in action also at 6.30 as they're in Winnipeg for a matchup with the Jets. And the Ducks visit the Canucks, 9 o'clock tonight on TNT. Men's Basketball Finals Summit League Tournament, domination from start to finish for Oral Roberts, 26 points and 11 assists for Max Acemas and ORU, your 2023 Summit League Tournament champions, 92-58 to over North Dakota State. Ninth-rated ninth Gonzaga gets a win, 77-51 in the West Coast Conference title game over St. Mary's. That's the fourth straight tournament title for the Zags, and they've won 10 of the last 11. West Coast Conference tournaments. Other teams to punch their ticket last night, the Northern Kentucky Norse defeat Cleveland State 63-61 for the Horizon League title. The CAA Championship went the way of Charleston 63-58 over UNC Wilmington. Today in men's basketball, Wake Forest and Cuse uh, got going at 11 o'clock. Georgia Tech and Pitt at 1.30. Boston College and UNC at 6. And Virginia Tech and NC State at 8.30. Big Ten Tournament also gets going today, 5.30 on Big Ten Network. The winner of this one faces the Iowa Hawkeyes. That's Wisconsin and Ohio State today at 5.30. Then you got Minnesota and Nebraska in the nightcap of this opening round on Wednesday, 8 o'clock start time. Big Ten Network, winner of that one, goes on to play Maryland. Big 12 Tournament today, 6 o'clock jump time for Texas Tech and West Virginia, 8.30 start for OU and Oklahoma State. Women's Basketball Finals, Portland. The Portland Pilots punch their ticket to the tournament 64-60 with a win over Gonzaga, outscoring the Zags 42-27 in the second half. And out of the Mountain West, it was UNLV winning in the semifinal over San Diego State. UNLV will face off with Wyoming today in the Mountain West title game. That is a 9 o'clock start time. Well, the Jackrabbits are going back to the big dance. Number one seed South Dakota State put the exclamation point on their perfect season against conference foes by beating six-seeded Omaha 93-51 to yesterday at the Denny Sanford Premier Center. It's SDSU's 10th league tournament title and first since 2019. Here's Maya Selland. We missed this feeling and wanted to do it again. Haley Timmer led the way for the Jacks with 18 points and won the championship MVP award. SDSU shot 62% from the field for the game. That's the fourth-best mark in league tournament history. Jackrabbits didn't wait long to build a big lead yesterday. Their league-leading defense was on display early as the Mavericks struggled to get the ball into their star players' hands. SDSU forced the Mavericks into three straight turnovers to start the game and on the whole scored 19 points off of 11 Omaha turnovers in the first half. Here's Coach Johnston on the defensive prowess that SDSU has this season. Out on the floor defensively, we just played so well, you know, throughout the entire tournament. And we've had really good defensive teams. I don't like to rank things, but I, I can't remember a defensive team better than this team. You know, whatever our best is, this is one of them. And that can sometimes make it seem like things are, are easier than they are, but ultimately it is hard to defend as well as we did for three straight days at that level. Um, you know, when people see it, we're not... 
not hiding anything, but we try and switch a lot of different screens. We have a lot of different you know things that we can do because of the experience and leadership that we have. Uh, Maya and Tori and Callie and Peyton, um, Drew, they just see things so well out there on the floor and get people in the right spots and can adjust and and uh, they can watch film and process things without having to go in and practice it for 20, 30 minutes. You know, they just do such a good job. And our young players, you know, Paige and, and Haley were exceptional defensively too. But that, you know, returning group that just understands what we're trying to get done, um, they can make it seem easier than it probably is. But we can do a lot of things defensively that, that they allow us to do. That's Coach Aaron Johnston of SDSU Women's Basketball. Jackrabbits now await their seed in the NCAA tournament as both the league's regular season and tournament champion. That final score again, 93-51. Coming up next segment, we'll have more sound from that postgame press conference. Coach Aaron Johnston uh, delivering quite a bit of nuggets ahead of yet another tournament appearance for the Jacks. The all-tournament team on the women's side, Peyton Burkhardt of South Dakota State, Paige Meyer of South Dakota State, as well as Haley Timmer of South Dakota State named the championship MVP. Other all-tournament team members, uh, UMKC's Mana Mensa and Omaha's Elena Pilacuda. And uh, congratulations on yet another very successful season as it continues for South Dakota State women's basketball. On the men's side, the Golden Eagles didn't leave any doubt last night. Top-rated Oral Roberts blew past number 3 North Dakota State 92-58 to to cap off an undefeated run through conference opponents and win their second Summit League Tournament Championship in the past three years. With the win, Paul Mills' team is headed to the NCAA Tournament for the seventh time and returned just two years after reaching the Sweet 16 back in 2021. The resounding victory also made ORU just the second team in Summit League history to reach the 30-win mark. The Golden Eagles, no surprise, were led by star Max Acemus, who scored 26 points and tied a career high with 11 assists. The ORU icon was named the tournament's most outstanding player for a second time and was joined on the all-tournament team by Connor Vanover. 10 points, 10 rebounds, and 6 blocks for the big for the Golden Eagles. Other all-tournament team selections include Andrew Rohde of St. Thomas, Grant Nelson of North Dakota State, Bowden Scunbert of North Dakota State, as uh, that tournament fantastic and down to the stretch, but a couple lopsided games to finish it out. Again, the final in the women's game, 93-51 for the Jacks and 92-58 for the Golden Eagles on the men's side. The South Dakota State baseball team carries a modest two-game winning streak into the first midweek game of the season, as scheduled to play tonight at Minnesota as we continue with your Elia Bank headlines of the day. First pitch today set for 6 p.m. at U.S. Bank Stadium in downtown Minneapolis. The game will be available for viewing online at Big10plus.com. The Jacks moved to 3-4 and four on the season by winning the last two games of a four-game weekend series at Utah Tech out in St. George, Utah. Jackrabbits have won each of the last three meetings against Minnesota, starting with a 10-8 win on March 4th of 2020. Up next, beyond today for Jackrabbit Baseball, they continue their road trip with a three-game weekend series at Western Kentucky. That series opener, 3 p.m. Friday at Nick Dennis Field in Bowling Green. On to Augie now. The 24th-rated Augustana women's basketball team is now set to travel to Duluth, Minnesota to face three-seed Missouri Southern in the opening round of the NCAA tournament on Friday. Complete action can be followed at GoAugie.com. The Vikings earned the sixth seed in the Central Region, holding a 25-5 overall record. As for the Missouri Southern Lions, they're 27-6 on the year, coming off of a Mid-America 
Intercollegiate Athletic Association Championship. Augie's in the NCAA tournament for the first time since 2018 when the Vikings hosted a regional in Sioux Falls. The Vikings advanced to the Sweet 16 that year and Augustana's record all-time in the NCAA tournament, 12-14. and 14. The USF Cougars split their final series of the week against Lewis University and Edinburgh. USF softball fell 9 to nothing in their game against Lewis, but battled back to defeat Edinburgh 5 to nothing as Kate Vanderswag pitched a her first full game no hitter of the season. Sioux Falls moves to 9 and 10 on the year following their 10 game road series in Florida. The Cougars will be back in action next weekend as they head to Joplin, Missouri to take part in the MIAA NSIC crossover. Good news to round out your hour number one headlines of the day, as always brought to you by ReliaBank. K.J. Osborne was, in his words, as in the right place at the right time. Early Monday morning in Austin, Texas, the Minnesota Vikings receiver joined three other bystanders in rescuing a man from a burning car underneath a freeway overpass. Osborne first revealed the story Monday afternoon in a podcast interview with ESPN's Adam Schefter. According to a statement released Tuesday by police in Austin, the man was transported to a local hospital with non-life-threatening injuries. Here's Osborne on that podcast with Schefter. They always say, wrong place, wrong time, but I was at the exact right place at the right time. Osborne, a fifth-round pick of the Vikings in 2020, and the number three receiver on the team for the past two seasons said he was in Austin for the weekend and had been visiting with friends Sunday night. He was riding in an Uber when the driver noticed a car had crashed into a pillar along the freeway. Police said the accident occurred near the 6700 block of North Mopac Expressway on the northbound side of the city. Osborne, the Uber driver, and two other bystanders approached the car as the engine caught fire. Airbags deployed, and it was a difficult to see the driver. Osborne went on to assist in that recovery and uh, saving that man's life. So really great news for K.J. Osborne. Minnesota Vikings wide receiver to round out our ReliaBank headlines of the day. When we come back, we'll get you a quick update on the Aaron Rodgers situation as it pertains to the courtship of the New York Jets for the longtime and future Hall of Fame quarterback of the Green Bay Packers. Additionally, we will go ahead and get you the sound from the postgame press conference of another Summit League tournament title for South Dakota State women's basketball. You won't want to miss next segment as we hear from players and the coach of the South Dakota State women's basketball team, champions of the Summit League in 2023. That's ahead on ESPN 102.3 AM 1000 KSOO. Free app now. This is ESPN 102.3 and AM 1000 KSOO, Sioux Falls Sports Leader. Right back with you as we roll along on the Wednesday edition of Overtime. Give me a follow on Twitter at Bert ESPN. Hit me up there or as the station Twitter at ESPN Sioux Falls or via the ESPN hotline 605 362 37 Still to come this hour, Arif Hassan of Pro Football Network to break down the wild uh, franchise tag deadline yesterday. We saw several big names receive the tag, and some of them will play on the tag, and some of them most assuredly will not, as it leaves open the opportunity for other teams to negotiate, other teams to display interest, and for the teams to continue working on the uh, contract negotiations with their player. 
So just a means to an end for now to franchise tag and make sure that they still own the rights to the player while they continue negotiations or potential trade talks with other teams. Big 10 and ACC tournament tip-off today, as does the Big 12, and we'll give you the latest auto bids from across the country. A lot of mid-majors wrapping up their tournament in the last few days. Hour number two, 1215-ish, we'll do the identity crisis and your guess at uh, what sports figure I'm talking about for a original Pancake House gift card and much, much more. Be a football player today, so we'll try to test your football knowledge with Identity Crisis right around 1210-ish on the show today. Mike Wall and Darren Wolfson will join us in hour two to talk Packers and Vikings respectively. Wolfson will also give us an update on all things Timberwolves that they played really well lately, did lose last night, but still very much alive for a postseason run as the seven seed as we speak. We promised an update on Aaron Rodgers. Well, the New York Jets have had conversations with the Green Bay Packers and quarterback Aaron Rodgers this week regarding a potential trade of the four-time MVP to the Jets, and those talks actually resulted in a in-person meeting. How about this? Rob Domofsky on Twitter providing us with the details from yesterday's return flight as the Jets brass and coaches have returned to New York as of 6.40 a.m. Eastern time. So quite the uh, blitz from the New York Jets. They head there in the afternoon, probably wine and dine with Aaron Rodgers, hang out for a while, get to know the guy. And if you're Nathaniel Hackett and Robert Sala, just reinforce that relationship that already exists and continue their courtship of the veteran quarterback. Uh, teammates, or future teammates perhaps, on the New York Jets have uh, broken silence on Twitter. Two players on the Jets took to social media to recruit Rodgers to the team. Tweeting at Rodgers, cornerback Sauce Gardner said, I promise if you become a Jet, I won't pick you off in practice, and I'll burn the cheese head. That's in reference to the cheese head he donned to celebrate the Jets' win last season in Lambeau. As for running back and Iowa State alum Brees Hall, he also pitched Rodgers tweeting, don't mind me just manifesting Aaron Rodgers to the Jets. So players excited, and everybody mystified as to the possibility of Aaron Rodgers becoming a New York Jet. Let's get you some more some more sound from the post game yesterday with head coach Aaron Johnston and players for SDSU women's basketball. They're champions in the Summit League, ninety three to fifty one over Omaha yesterday. Here's the opening statement from the head coach after winning yet another title for Jackrabbit women's basketball. Well, congratulations to Omaha on a really good run in the tournament. It's the second time they've been to the to the finals in a short period of time. So definitely a program that that's on the rise and, and they played very well here. Uh, just want to say thanks to everybody in Sioux Falls. Obviously, it was a, a great tournament. We we obviously love being here. Appreciate the hospitality. Fans were fantastic throughout the tournament and, and meant so much to us, too. And then uh, just really excited, happy, proud of our team. I thought we played incredible basketball here over the last several weeks. Not just this weekend, uh, early this week, we, we've played well for a long period of time. And that's taken a lot of focus and concentration and effort. And at times out there, it looked like things just kind of rolled. Um, but I think you know we would all agree up here that there's a lot that goes into getting to that point. So really happy for him to have a chance to go back to the NCAA tournament. Happy for him to have a chance to win this tournament here today. And uh, really looking forward to, to what comes next. That's the opening statement from head coach Aaron Johnston. Again, earlier I mentioned the 2023 Summit League Women's Basketball All-Tournament team. Haley Timmer, Paige Meyer, Maya Selland, Alina Pilakuda of Omaha, and Mana Mensa of Kansas City. As for some future audio here, or more audio, uh, Maya Sellen, Peyton Burkhart were at the uh, post-game presser as well. Here's them on the importance uh, of the win, winning the tournament, and, and what it means moving forward 
uh, for this team and the program. Yeah, it means a lot, and um, I think it means even more to do it, you know, with especially Peyton sitting next to me. I think we've been through a lot together, and um, she's picked me up through all of those. And so it's been a while. We talked about how we've, you know, we've missed this feeling, and we want to do it again. And so to, to do it with her and the rest of the team is just really special. Yeah, I mean, Maya's just one of those people that you know she's going to find a way. She's always um, going to be hardworking, um, putting in those extra hours. And when she wasn't able to be on the court, being the leader in that way. So um, I'm just really proud of her for all she's overcame um, in our career here. And I'm really excited that we got to finish the way we did, but also that we get to keep going and playing together. So. NCAA tournament is ahead for SDSU women's basketball. 93-51 win over Omaha. Here's coach Aaron Johnston on his team's resume ahead of Selection Sunday. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how it all goes. This year it's a really strong field. I don't mean that as a general thing. I'm saying there's not a lot of kind of average bubbleish teams. I mean, there are some really, really good teams that probably won't make it this year just because of how it's gone. In other years it's different. Um, when I look at our team right now, I mean, we got a really good team here, you know, and, and uh, how, how we're seated will will certainly have a lot to do with how we do, but it'll have a lot to do with, you know, the other side of the bracket too. So we, we're, we're capable of beating some some good teams, and, and I'm excited about that. I think the team will feel the same way. So now we just got to wait a couple of days and see how the committee views us, I guess. 28-5, and five, the overall record for the Jacks, and you have to go back quite a ways, well before conference play, to look at an L on the schedule. The total uh, losses this year against Creighton, 78-69. to Then they fell to UCLA, 75-62. Wasn't pretty in Pullman as they got dominated by Washington State back on November 28th, 61-41. Also lost to Montana State in Bozeman on the road, 71-66. And the most recent loss came at the Sanford Pentagon December 15th against the top-rated team all year long, South Carolina 62-44 the final. So five losses for the Jacks, but one big key that Johnston points out in this next clip is that the Jackrabbits weren't at full strength for all of those games, and as he said there, this is a really good team in Brookings as they gear up for another NCAA tournament run. You know, for sure. I, I think having Paige and Drew playing well together, the team has had a lot of reps, a lot of games with them in that position. Um, we're, you know, we are just a different team now in March than we were in November and even December. And that has to do a lot with having those two back. Um, but we also grew in other ways during that time, too. You know, so there's no regrets about that. I think we had a lot of other players step up and, and make some plays. Uh, but to go into the NCAA tournament, really playing you know, high-level basketball is where you want to be. And I think this team will, will have a lot of confidence going in. And then it just comes down to matchups and how you can play in that particular day. A lot to look forward to for SDSU Jackrabbit women's basketball. Coach Aaron Johnston. Uh, audio there from the post-game press conference. The finals from the Summit League tournament for SDSU women. They defeated St. Thomas in the quarterfinal, 87-59. Went on to beat the five-seed Oral Roberts in the semis, 87-60. Then a dominant win over the six-seed Omaha, 93-51. 93-51 the final score, and now it'll be uh, a waiting game until Sunday. The selection show coming up for the NCAA tournament as SDSU very strong resume as both an undefeated team in the regular season in conference and the conference tournament champions. Coming up next on Overtime, as we continue to uh, look forward to the remainder of that SDSU women's basketball season, which hopefully includes a long and sustained run in the NCAA tournament. 
We'll talk with Arif Hassan next on a variety of NFL topics and much, much more. And we'll round out our number one by keeping you updated on the ACC, Big Ten, and Big 12 tournaments that begin today at their respective sites. That's ahead on Overtime. You're tuned in on ESPN 102.3 AM 1000 KSOO. It's game time baseball. It's all here on ESPN 102.3 and AM 1000 KSOO, Sioux Falls Sports Leader. Back on the Wednesday edition of Overtime. Appreciate you being with us today as we wrap up the SDSU women winning the Summit League women's basketball title. Oral Roberts, the winners on the men's side as we'll look to track those Summit League teams into their respective bracket portions of the NCAA tournament, but it's time now to shift gears and talk some football as we're joined now on the ESPN hotline by Arif Hassan of Pro Football Network. Arif, I know it's uh, become a busy time of the year. Didn't always used to be this way in the NFL in March, but uh, it's great to have you. As always, how are things? Uh, Things are great. How are you? Doing well, doing well. It's great to, uh, to have you back on the show, and we'll start with Minnesota. I know a lot of fans were a little saddened, but understanding uh, of Eric Kendricks being released, but uh, are there more moves to come for Minnesota? And who are a few names that uh, that might come to mind as as people that might uh, get the axe later this week? Yeah, I think there are more moves to come. I mean, Minnesota right now is about fifteen million, eighteen million dollars, uh, somewhere in there over the salary cap. Uh, they have to figure out what they want to do. With Dalvin Tomlinson, there was a whole thing about, you know, his void coming up, and then that got pushed back. Um, that might have been resolved even as we're talking. Um, but there, there's kind of a lot of things that are happening in Minnesota that require them to get under the cap, whether that is restructuring Kirk Cousins, finding a trade partner for Adam Thielen, uh, you know, making sure that they, you know, figuring out how they're going to handle a $14 million cap hit from Dalvin Cook, you know, if they're going to restructure him or, or figure out a way to deal with that salary. So there are a lot of uh, elements at play here, a lot of players that they kind of need to have the contract resolved for, uh, and that's before you get to players that cost a good deal less. People like Jordan Hicks and C.J. Ham, you know, they might see, you know, uh, some movement on their contract, whether that is a cut or a restructure or something along those lines. As far as the Vikings go, I know that currently the salary cap does not indicate that they could be players in free agency in terms of signing anyone. We're kind of talking about them cutting people to get under the cap, but uh, is there a chance that after this all gets sorted out, they have to be under the cap by next Wednesday, but after it all gets sorted out, is there a chance that they may have a little extra money to uh, to fish around and maybe find a, a veteran free agent to bring in? Yeah, I mean, the, the thing about the cap is that it is remarkably flexible. I think we think of, you know, this is the total amount of money that you can spend, and then we take a look at the average salary a player accrues, and we think, ah, oh, they're not going to be able to fit them under the cap, and that's not really true. Um the Vikings will probably have the ability to get another $30 million 
out of the out of the cap, and that'll give them at least 15, probably more if they extend Kirk Cousins. Um, and that's going to allow them to be players in free agency. They're probably not going to go after you know the top guard in the market or anything like that. But um, they should be able to bring in a number of free agents. I mean, there's got to be a way they got to bring the roster to 90 before camp, regardless. But I think that they'll be able to define some impact players. Probably not you know the the top player in any particular position, um, but certainly some players that that I think would would be able to help the team. Of course, the news that's dominated the headlines in the NFL of late outside of the kind of backwoods rumors uh, stories of Tom Brady and Phillip Rivers make, maybe making comebacks next year. you got Aaron Rodgers being courted heavily by the New York Jets. It seems as though that's the only team that's talking to the Packers uh, about the veteran quarterback right now. Um, in your mind, did you think that uh, that Aaron Rodgers could be a Jet at the beginning of this offseason? And, and what do you make of the potential fit there in, in New York with uh, with Rodgers? Yeah, I actually, I actually thought the Jets would have been a good option. Um, kind of a couple of weeks into the season, after I thought that the the Packers probably should have benched Rodgers and, and started Jordan Love to see what they had, um, and I thought the Jets would be a good trade destination for him eventually. And that was based off of you know Michael Floor still being there. That's no longer the case, but um, I, I, it does make a lot of sense. I mean, it's a team that has a ton of talent uh, available. They have to kind of work on that offensive line. That's more of a health issue to me than a talent issue, but they've got a really great receiving group, and they might be able to add one or two more players there. They've got a fantastic defense, especially a great pass rush and a high-level cornerback. Um, so there's a lot to work with there, and it's kind of just waiting for a quarterback to show up uh, and, and bring them basically to immediate relevancy. So I think that makes a lot of sense. I do find it kind of curious, though, that the Jets are basically – you know, the only team on the market. I'm kind of wondering, you know, why Washington hasn't decided to, to, you know, take a look at that and make a big move. I was kind of wondering, you know, maybe the Carolina Panthers would kind of want to step up and see if they want to make a move because they've got some some pieces around them. But, yeah, I mean, it seems like you're right. that Right now the Jets are, are the primary suitor. Yeah, there were two or three, maybe even four teams, if you throw Seattle in there, that were rumored to maybe have a little interest. But with Seattle with Geno Smith and a high draft pick, I don't. I think they're out. Panthers could still be in. Uh, whispers of the Colts at times with their high draft pick, but now it appears to be just the New York Jets for Aaron Rodgers. Let's shift gears a little bit and talk about uh, running backs across the league. Saquon Barkley tagged by the Giants. Tony Pollard tagged by the Cowboys. And now that Cowboys running back situation becomes awfully interesting. They've got two premier contract backs, Ezekiel Elliott and Tony Pollard. Do you think that uh, everything stays the same as they head into the season, or do you think Zeke's going to be asked to take a pay cut? It wouldn't shock me if Zeke was asked to take a pay cut. That, I think, would make a lot of sense to me. But, you know, uh, how it kind of plays out will probably contrast with the way that they were talking about that running back group, you know, partway through the season when Tony Pollard was outperforming Zeke, when Zeke was, you know, taking fewer snaps when he was a little bit less healthy. Um, they were saying, hey, Pollard's great, but we can't have him carrying the ball 25 times a game. He can't be touching the ball this much. He just doesn't have you know, the stamina for it, and he, that he's someone that admits that. But now you're getting to a point where he might actually just be the premier back and kind of looking back at those statements, taking a look at how they've interacted with Tony Pollard and Zeke before, how it's going to play out this season. I think that's going to be a really interesting narrative to follow as the Cowboys season kind of progresses. Again, two uh, backs being paid over $10 million in Dallas as it stands right now. I think Zeke is all the way up to maybe 15 16 or $17 million as we're talking to Arif Hassan of Pro Football Network. You can follow him on Twitter at Arif Hassan NFL. 
Uh, on now to the combine. What did you make of the ascent and uh, the subsequent shooting up of the draft boards of uh, of Anthony Richardson? Heck of a performance in Indianapolis, and it seems as though he's a surefire top ten pick now. And it was thought that he might be a late first rounder. Yeah, I, I think that he was kind of moving a little bit on his way up before the combine. I think that. You know, a lot of people had been able to talk to NFL personnel, see where they were at. They'd been able to kind of see the stuff that Anthony Richardson's kind of good at. Uh, And they've been kind of moving him up. When I've been writing mock drafts, I've always kept him around, you know, 9 or 15. Right now, you're right, because of the combine, it certainly seems like that's an impossibility that a team in that range is going to have to trade up or they're just not going to, you know, have enough assets to do that. Um, And I, I think it makes sense. I know a lot of people are kind of pushing back against the idea that Anthony Richardson can push himself up with a combine performance because, you know, quarterback athleticism doesn't predict quarterback performance very much. But, I mean, fundamentally, it's a sport, and it's good to be a good athlete, and it's a huge asset. And to me, everyone knew he was a good athlete coming in. The difference is he is an elite athlete. He's a one-of-one type athlete, and that, to me, makes a big difference. Yeah, he's one of the best testing quarterbacks of all time, and depending which way you slice it, he's the most athletic guy at the position of all time, but again, it doesn't always translate. You see a lot of these combine warriors, but some of them don't even get drafted. Some get drafted late. Some of them get drafted early and aren't much of anything on the football field. But Anthony Richardson surely boosted his draft stock in Indianapolis last week. Now let's talk quarterbacks that are in the league. Daniel Jones gets a mega deal matching Matthew Stafford. Four years, $160 million. No such luck in Baltimore between the Ravens and Lamar Jackson. Kind of a mystifying situation there as that continues to evolve. But uh, what did you make of those two situations? The tagging of Jackson was uh, kind of a foregone conclusion if they didn't find a long-term deal yesterday. But then Daniel Jones gets uh, gets the Brinks truck backing up to his house to stay with the Giants. Uh, big contract for Daniel Jones. It is, it is. And the Giants protected themselves a little bit here, too, because you know, with only one year of performance under Daniel Jones that you can really confidently say gives you, you know, any level of assurance that he'll be a quality quarterback, it was really difficult for them to be able to commit to a deal. But almost all of the guaranteed money is front-loaded. It's basically a two-year deal, $82 million in cash for him over the course of those two years. The cap hit's going to be a little bit lower than that because some of that's in signing bonus. So, um, you know, it lo- it's a nice number for Daniel Jones's agent to be able to advertise. Honestly, it's a nice number for Daniel Jones even when you account for all of that. I think that, you know... Entering the season, he couldn't have possibly anticipated this kind of contract coming in. So, you know, credit to him for being able to to secure at least, you know, $80 million guaranteed. I think that that's great for him. The issue is that when you compare it to Lamar Jackson, you know, he gets franchise tagged with a non-exclusive tag. If that happens again next year and he doesn't agree to a long-term deal, that's probably a $38 million tag given the NFL rules. And so he'd be paid $70 million over two years, comparing that to the $80 million that Daniel Jones gets paid. And that, that feels a little off, doesn't it? So um, it, it is kind of a, a unique situation here. Good signing for the Giants, all things considered. Again, four years, $160 million, but the way it's structured kind of lends itself to a two-year deal for the Charlotte, North Carolina native in New York City. Arif Hassan, our guest of Pro Football Network, uh, what did you think of the early week news that we saw with, uh, with Derek Carr landing in New Orleans? I know that division is awfully ugly, uh, no matter which way you slice it from a quarterback or just overall anticipated team performance perspective. Uh, does this make the Saints instantly the uh, the team to beat in the NFC South next year? 
Yeah, as, as, as weird as it is to say, it absolutely does. I mean, all four of those teams are entering this next season with a different quarterback than they had started the season with. But those quarterbacks aren't even on the roster for those other teams. Uh, and so um, it, it is kind of a, a quarterback, um, you know, landscape that, that, that is pretty barren, right? And I think that we're probably going to – change our minds after the draft, whether that's because, you know, the Panthers move up or, you know, the Falcons decide to make some kind of move or something like that, that could change. Right. And I would be kind of curious about what a high quality first round drafted quarterback would do in that division compared to somebody like Derek Carr, who is a very good quarterback, but clearly has a ceiling that Saints team is not what it used to be. And so it's really kind of a Oh, a, a better by default. I mean, that defense is all right. They've got some really great pieces on it. Some of it's aging. That offense has some pieces on it. Uh, obviously, Chris Olave is a huge asset. The other rookie receiver that they have, uh, Shahid, I think, um, has been doing pretty well. But it's just not a complete team yet. We don't know what's going to happen with Alvin Kamara's legal situation. So there is still a door pretty wide open for the rest of uh, the participants in the NFC South to to find a quarterback somehow, uh, whether that's through free agency or the draft, and become more competitive than the Saints. That's Arif Hassan, always giving us great info on all things NFL and the latest rumors from across the league. The most recent article at ProFootballNetwork.com is addressing those rumors. Latest news on Lamar, DeAndre Hopkins, a potential trade, Baker Mayfield, as well as Jalen Ramsey looking for a new home in the National Football League. Arif, we appreciate the time, as always, uh, and we'll talk to you here soon, I hope. Yeah, thanks for having me. Arif Hassan, our guest. Again, give him a follow on Twitter, at Arif Hassan NFL. Check out the great work at ProFootballNetwork.com online. As coming up on next on the Wednesday edition of the show, we will give you the latest auto bids from across the world of college basketball. Also dissect the early rounds of the ACC Big Big Ten And Big 12 tournaments going on now. The ACC started yesterday. Big 10 and Big 12 getting started today. Ohio State and Wisconsin, 530 on Big 10 Network. And then it's Nebraska and Minnesota later on this evening in the Big 10 tournament. That's an 8 o'clock start time also on the Big 10 Network. Back after this, more overtime around the corner on ESPN 102.3 AM 1000 KSOO. Reliabanks. We are ESPN 102.3 and AM 1000 KSOO, Sioux Falls Sports Leader. Back with more overtime here on your Sioux Falls Sports Leader. It's time now to dive headfirst into a little bracketology and also update you on the teams that have already secured a trip to the upcoming NCAA tournament. On the men's side right now, according to BracketMatrix.com, this is a site that merges together bracket uh, projections. So it gives you just a essentially a weighted average of public consensus. And right now, Iowa State is a five seed out of the Big 12. The Iowa Hawkeyes are an eight seed in the Big 10, joined by Illinois and Maryland, all Big 10 teams uh, in the eight seed spot. And the my Wisconsin Badgers were moved from an 11 seed to one of the first teams out of the NCAA tournament this season. Of course, the Badgers, some work to do to uh, find their way into the tournament. I don't think a win against Ohio State will do it. They'll have to win against Ohio State and then go and beat Iowa to have a chance. And then even if that happens, I'm still not sure if Wisconsin will punch their ticket 
to the NCAA tournament. Let's take a look at some of the auto bids uh, from across the country and some recent ones uh, for the mid-major programs. Northern Kentucky edged Cleveland State as Marcus Warwick scored 18 points. Sam Vincent added 16 to lead the Northern Kentucky Norse to a 63-61 victory over Cleveland State as they are Horizon League tournament champions with a record of 22-12. and Other teams to uh, punch their ticket. Gonzaga adds another West Coast Conference title as Drew Timmy sets a scoring record in the contest. 77-51 the win over St. Mary's, and Timmy scored 18 points and became Gonzaga's all-time leading scorer, and he also earned the Tournament Most Outstanding Player Award. Gonzaga 28-5 and on the season, and will most assuredly be another team to reckon with uh, in the tournament this year. They're projected to be a three-seed, according to Bracket Matrix. Other three seeds right now, Marquette, Kansas State, and Tennessee. Another team last night that uh, will dance for the first time since 2014, that is Louisiana. The Ragin' Cajuns win in the uh, uh, their Sunbelt tournament yesterday over South Alabama, 71-66. to The Ragin' Cajuns have a 26-7 and overall record, and it's their 11th tournament berth, but first since 2014. So now who has uh, clinched their, punched their ticket or clinched their trip to the NCAA tournament on the men's basketball side? We mentioned Charleston earlier in the show. They're CAA champions. They're on their way to the tourney, as is Drake out of the Missouri Valley uh, Conference. Fairly Dickinson earns the Northeast Conference bid, but only because their game opponent Merrimack is ineligible due to their recent move to Division One, Merrimack actually edged fairly Dickinson in the title game, but due to that rule, it'll be fairly Dickinson representing the Northeast Conference. Furman is your SoCon champion. We mentioned Gonzaga, Kennesaw State out of the Atlantic Sun, Louisiana out of the Sun Belt, other teams to clinch, uh, UNC Asheville, Big South Tournament champions, Northern Kentucky, Oral Roberts out of our very own Summit League here in Sioux Falls, and Southeast Missouri State, they're the Ohio Valley Conference tournament champion now let's take a look at the big 10 big 12 and acc tournaments the finals from yesterday and the acc tournaments uh, first round georgia tech with a one-point win over florida state 61 60 boston college over louisville 80 to 62 and virginia tech with a win over notre dame 67 to 64 things getting going already in the acc tournament today the game is at halftime for the first game of the day that's wake forest and syracuse the Orange have a 35-33 halftime lead over the Deeks. Coming up at 1.30 on ESPN, Georgia Tech and Pitt. 6 o'clock, ESPN 2, BC and UNC. And 8.30 tonight from the from the ACC tournament, Virginia Tech and NC State. Now for a look at the Big Ten tournament tonight, it'll be Ohio State and Wisconsin. That is a 5.30 afternoon tip time as uh, the Buckeyes and Badgers get together in the right-to-play fifth seed Iowa is on the line. The other play-in game tonight, Minnesota and Nebraska. Sixth seed is Maryland, and they'll wait for the winner between the Gophers and the Huskers. The top four seeds get that coveted double bye. Of course, the Big Ten Tournament in Chicago this year. Your top seed, no surprise, is Purdue. The big surprise is your two seed is Northwestern. They have a very limited history in the NCAA Tournament, and they're the two seed heavily projected uh, to make some noise in the Big Ten Tournament and make it to the NCAA Tournament this year. Three seed is Indiana, four seed Michigan State, and then we mentioned fifth seed Iowa, six seed Maryland, seven Illinois, eight Michigan, and that's the men's basketball tournament 
for the Big Ten. Big 12 bracket has been released as well as uh, the Kansas Jayhawks are your top seed. Other teams there, Texas is the two seed, K-State the three. K-State will see TCU tomorrow. Four seed is Baylor. They'll match up with the fifth seed at Iowa State Hawkeyes tomorrow. Play-in games going on today, West Virginia and Texas Tech tonight. And then Oklahoma State and Oklahoma. Winner between the Mountaineers and the Red Raiders gets Kansas. And the winner between the Sooners and the Cowboys gets the two seed Texas. That's an update on the Big Ten, the Big 12, and the ACC tournaments getting going. The ACC got going yesterday. Big Ten, Big 12 tipping it off this evening across their tournament. So a lot to look forward to continuing to take a look at Bracketology as Selection Sunday looms around the corner. Coming up next, we'll hit you with the headlines. And before long, your opportunity to win a gift card to the original Pancake House and much, much more. It's a football player-themed edition of Identity Crisis today on your Wednesday on Overtime, back after this on ESPN 102.3 AM 1000 KSOO. I'm Corey Pro.